Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. I'm telling you, I have really, really enjoyed this study walking through Corinthians. And as we, as we get in here, chapter 12 through chapter 14 are just some really, uh, I would say, misinterpreted, uh, some very misrepresented texts, and whole, whole denominations, whole, whole perspectives of the church have taken uh, different stances, and it, and it takes them a totally different direction. Um, and so I think it's just important for us to make the Bible our priority. You know, when it comes to our church and what we believe, uh, the Bible is our priority. It is our final authority. What, what, is, what does that mean when I say that? I mean, like, when you read the Bible, what the Bible says in its context is what we take as gospel, is what we take as our marching orders, if you will. It's not my opinion. And, and I'm, I'm careful when, when I preach to say, hey, this is, this is my opinion. This is what I think. This is matology or whatever, you know. Uh, but there are a lot of things that aren't that. And there are a lot of things that I would say are tier one theological issues that are clear in the Bible. Um, that if, we, if we're not careful and we make an exception and we say, well, uh, you know, it might not be that. It could be this on something that Paul was dogmatic about. Uh, that's how cults are formed. That's how offshoots are formed that, you know, just the slightest change, you might be missing the target by an inch at five yards, but where does that put you at 50 yards? Put you way off. Well, it's, you know, it's so close. Well, yeah, it's close because you're five yards from the target. It was funny. We, I did a, an advanced pistol training um, not long ago. I, I really like guns. If you don't, you know, as, as you kind of learn more about me, I'm a gun guy. I'm a Second Amendment guy. Um, you know, that's not anything political. It's just how I was raised and what it is. I enjoy guns. Don't break into my house. It would be a mistake. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, just you're forewarned. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I enjoy training too. You know, a lot of guys, it's like, yeah, man, you know, I've got 5,000 rounds and I'm ready for the zombie apocalypse. How many times have you shot that one? Never. <laughs> That's not good. You know, you may have a gun that it was expensive or whatever, but it, you're only as good as you are with that tool. Uh, so anyway, so I, I, we did some training, uh, advanced pistol training, and a guy that, you, you were our first introduction to him, right, Kyle? Yeah. So anyway, uh, Kyle and I, we went and... <laughs> It was kind of funny because they rented out this whole section of, of, the, of the range, and we were doing it indoor, and they have these targets that portray scenarios, right? And so the first scenario, right out of the gate, they're timing uh, from concealed carry, putting a few rounds downrange. I think it was three rounds, but you didn't know what the target was. So that was like the surprise is the target was going to turn, and then he, you know, beep, the sound goes off, and you have to fire, so I was like, yeah, man, I'm ready. This is good. But this is from a cold start, right? I wasn't warmed up. I wasn't warmed up. So I was like, the target flipped, bang! And I put one right through the female of her belt buckle, and she was the hostage. I was like, no! Oh, my goodness! 
babe, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you were the hostage, it would not have gone well. And then I was like, it hit the belt buckle, so it probably ricocheted. It probably ricocheted. But man, I needed that whole thing of training to hone my skill, you know, and to continue. But honestly, though, when we're put in different scenarios, right, it's very much, it's very much like life, this training. God puts us through scenarios. He puts you through different relational scenarios, different moments in life with your spouse, different seasons of life. And when, when that target turns around and you have, you have the sword, you have the word of God, I feel like some of us decapitate the wrong people with it. Some of us sling it and we're ready and, and we know how to move with it. But when it comes time in the moment, we misuse it. We misrepresent it. Because we're not training, we're not instant, in season, out of season, how Paul told Timothy. We're not preaching the word, we're preaching an opinion. We're preaching what we've grown up with in our culture and we haven't allowed the word of God to transform us. So therefore, what you have, you don't know if it's the substance of things hoped for. You don't know if it's actual faith that was built by the word of God because you were just spoon-fed by some other pastor. Open up, here you go, here it comes. Here's the word of God. I'm telling you, at some point in time, listen to when I say this, at some point in time, the target is going to turn and it's going to be a real life scenario and you're going to have to put the bullet where it needs to go. At some point, your children are going to want to hear a real answer with real faith and real love behind it where they know it's something that can be applied to their life and it's not rhetoric and it's not just some fluffy Facebook statement that you read out, you know, that was a picture that was shared 100,000 times, right? Well, I heard the other day, <laughs> look, this is real life. And in these moments, like, we have to be able to take the word of God and apply it. And so in this passage of scripture, the illustration rings true because there's a lot of, well, this is how I see it. Well, this is how I think Paul meant it to be. Look, I'm just breaking it down for you, whether you come from a more, uh, Pentecostal or Baptist or Reformed background, it doesn't matter where you come from. We're going to try to keep this about the text and what I see here and what the wording is, and I promise you, you will be helped. I promise you, you will go, okay, yeah, that, that, that makes some sense. I, I, can, I can understand that. So last week, just a small little uh, way of review here. Last week, we talked about, are you spiritual? Coming out of the gate of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if we read it in an in a English context, all it sounds like is it's spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts and, and how those spiritual gifts work out, but that's not the case. The, the Greek words are two separate Greek words. One is for uh, being spiritual, and the other one is the gifts that come from being spiritual. So Paul says, look, when we approach this idea of being spiritual, your gifts should fit in that context of the body of Christ. Your, your idea, and, and so uh, first of all, that should really uh, bring some clarity to our minds and to our thinking, spiritually speaking, and say, am I more focused on what I do with my spirituality than being in God's presence, a spiritual person? Am I more focused on what God wants me to do or am I more focused on being who God wants me to be? That right there is enough meat for one week and that was last week. That right there, we have so many churches that are focused on what I do and I bring this to the table and I'm so spiritual because of what I do and Paul said no. 
It's the opposite. It's pneumatikos. Please silence your cell phones. <laughs> Someone is blowing my phone up. Six text messages during the... Guys, I'm preaching, just so you know. <laughs> Take this moment and silence your cell phones and I'll, I'll silence mine and do what I tell everyone else to do. My goodness gracious. Anyway, Paul says pneumatikos. I'm more concerned with you being a spiritual person than what you bring to the table. That's the first week of this. So, so that's the framework, am I spiritual? And that was the question, are you spiritual? What does it mean to be spiritual? Well, I, I'm really good at this. N- no, like we have to retool and rethink this machine of, of really the Holy Spirit, and that's where we're headed. So are we spiritual? Am I spiritual? That was last week. Here's this week's, here's the title of this week's message. You ready? For verse 12 through 31, your spiritual address your spiritual address. If you listen today, and if, and if you connect with, with this text the way Paul wants us to connect with it, you're gonna know where your location is spiritually. How does this build? What are you, what are you saying, Pastor Matt? Well, first, pneumatikos, am I spiritual? Am I even on the map? Right? And it's not what you do that gets you there. It's who you know. And once we connect with this idea that the Spirit of God wants a relationship with us, Paul then says, I'm going to tell you exactly where that location is. And that's today. Well, Pastor, aren't we going to get into the gifts? Just a little. Just a little today. But before we get into these gifts, we have to know where we are in it and what that location looks like so that then we can Use the gifts rightly. And I believe we're going to come out of this strong. I really do. I think our church is going to come out in the gifts in a healthy way. All right, let's get started. You ready? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read verse 12 through verse 14, and then we're going to break this up. But we're going all the way through 31. Look at verse number 12. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are what? One body. Say it with me. One body. Tell your neighbor, one body. That's interesting, huh? So also is who? Christ. So also is Christ. Do you notice this? Don't miss this. How he ships back and forth from the Holy Spirit to Christ to even the Father was present last week. Don't miss that. Look at verse 13. For we were all, what's the next word? Baptized depending on your, your, your version here. I'm reading from the CSB. For we were all baptized by what? One spirit, and that's the big S right there, the Holy Spirit. This is a very controversial, we'll just put it that way, within the church, a very controversial topic. And after I kind of dug in, I don't think it needs to be controversial at all. Looking, in the, looking through the lens that Paul has been looking through this entire book, It's going to make perfect sense. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Watch this. Whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and we were all given what? One spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but what? Many. Hasn't it been a reoccurring theme 
in, in this book about people preferring others over other people? Hasn't it been a, now you can think back to the Lord's Supper topic, how the rich people were getting wasted and the poor people didn't have anything to eat. Do you remember? He's now saying no Jew, nor Greek, nor slave, nor free. He's using the same analogies now as it pertains to being baptized into this one body. He's still talking about their religious caste system. He's still talking about their prejudices. He's still talking about injustice. Do you see that? But yet, do you guys not see it? Y'all were like, eh. Everybody looked back down. I don't know if I see that. I don't know. You tell me. Do I see that? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll read it again for you, just in case. For we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. The same context. He's continuing his thought. Okay, this is going to be a long one today. I can feel that. <laughs> Listen to this, and this is all in the program uh, for your viewing pleasure later, but the NIV translation by one spirit, listen to this, indicates agency and could imply that the spirit is the baptizer. So this is a text where many say you have to be baptized by who? The Holy Spirit. You have to be baptized, and that would imply that the Holy Ghost is the what? He is the baptizer indicates agency and, and could imply that. However, as Fee points out, nowhere in the New Testament does this dative, it's the dative case, it's a preposition, right? If you look at the text, uh, by one spirit into one body, those are two prepositional phrases. This is all English, right? As it pertains to like Greek, you have to look at the, uh, you have to look at the tense of these words to understand you can't just, we can't just like, willy-nilly, pull this out, by the Spirit, that's what it means. By the Spirit, that's a prepositional phrase that is in the dative case, and within this language, here's what that means. Baptize implies agency and that the Spirit does the baptizing, rather the phrase is locative, expressing the element in which they were all immersed in one Spirit denotes the sphere of, agent, the sphere of action, not the agency. The parallel phrase, all were made to drink of one spirit, describes the same experience under a different figure. How could we have in this same verse, in the parallel uh, part of it, where they say they all were made, all collective, of the same drink, and only a few being baptized by that one agent, the Holy Spirit? It's not parallel. And the dative case, if you have a Strong's Concordance, you can look it up, real simple in your, Bible, uh, in your Bible study feature, and it will say it to you. That preposition is a dative case, dative case, which implies, watch this, a location. Some of you are like, what the heck are you talking about? And, and, and I'm coming, hang on, we're getting there. The baptism here should not be equated with water baptism. And every Baptist goes, it's okay, this is gonna be good, right? It should be equated, it should not be equated with water baptism. Although water baptism depicts what Paul describes. Paul's emphasis on baptism into the body in one spirit strongly emphasizes the unity of the body, which is what we see, neither Jew nor Greek. 
The phrase baptized in by the Spirit occurs seven times in the New Testament. We have to use this and understand where else was this used grammatically in the Bible and in the New Testament. Well, it's used uh, here. Six other references are uh, referring to John the Baptist's prophecy that Jesus would baptize with or in what? The Holy Spirit. John baptizes with what? Water, but another will come and he'll baptize with what? Fire. The Holy Ghost. It's, it's a consistent thing that we see that these other times that it was used were referring to this baptism that Jesus would do in the Holy Spirit. Bloomberg contends that Acts 1-5 clarifies that this was fulfilled at Pentecost. Paul has in mind an initiation or uh, an initial experience that immerses one in the realm of the Spirit, which is the experience, watch this, of all believers, of all believers. Here's the text. Don't, don't, don't pull up now. Don't put it in neutral. Oh, my goodness. Oh, this is Bible study 101. No, don't put it in neutral. Stay with me. Romans 8, 9, listen to this. Speaking of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, location, think location. What is your spiritual address? Where do I land in this whole thing? Verse nine of Romans chapter eight. Remember, this is written by the same author, right? Here it is. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the what? Spirit. <gasps> That's kind of the same language. Do you hear that? You're not in the flesh, but you're what? In location, dative case, baptized by the Holy Spirit. In other words, you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And here's this language. If indeed the Spirit of God lives what? In you. Keep going. If anybody does not have the Spirit of Christ... He does not belong to him. Verse 10. Now, if Christ is in you, Romans chapter 8, verse 10, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. Look, we are going to get a whole bunch of doctrine today. You're going to leave here with your backpack full of what it means to be in the Holy Spirit of God. And, and this is where, yes, there's a mystery of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three. Yes, these three are one, but what we see is these three are also separate in their roles of how salvation plays out. How many want to know more about how the Lord has worked in your life? How many want to know more about that? Well, I've, I, I'm changed. I'm different. It's like that old Cray song. Yeah, I'm changed. Now I'm something different. Hey, we're, we're changed. But how does that play out? How, how does that work out in your life? The book of Romans is like so nitty gritty on how that works. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the location of where you are in this thing. Here's why that matters, right? Jesus comes. We're shooting from the hip here, right? Jesus comes and he tells you not to really be about this what? this world, but to be about the coming kingdom. Even in the Lord's Prayer, I think about 
thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He gives us this language that there's a part of us that is a part of somewhere else. Like, like our address isn't 1601 Sailaway Circle right here in Essex, but it's of another kingdom. But yet I live here on earth and I work out my salvation and bring the kingdom to pass in this world. And the Lord uses the Holy Ghost to do that. I think about John 14 where Jesus said, it's going to be better for you that I what? Go away. Because I'm going to send another. Think about this. You have your very own Jesus. Yeah. You got your very own Jesus. If Jesus were here, we would all be trying to flock to him. We we would all be trying to get near him. And, And they did that in his day, right? The crowds would keep him from moving from one place to the other. And and, and Jesus said this, look, when I go away, the Spirit of God will then come and indwell you. So now there's a different location. It isn't a place on the planet where Jesus is residing. We're not trying to go find where he was buried. The, The same Spirit of God, the same God who rose Jesus from the grave now lives in me. The location on site of where this change happens is your heart. And Paul describes this here in Romans chapter 8. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the spirit. And here's the problem with most Christians. They're still operating in the flesh and not in the spirit. You're not connecting the two. You're going, this just is who I am. That's a statement from a Christian who doesn't understand who's living inside of them. That's a statement from a Christian who doesn't understand the price that has been bought and paid for you. A person who is prejudiced or sees themselves above another person doesn't understand the working of the Spirit of God in their life. Paul says, look, we're being baptized locationally into the Holy Spirit, which is the body of Christ, and there is no distinction between race or people in that body. Mm-hmm. Man, this doctrine, if we get this right, fixes so many things. It levels. The, the, if people understand the gospel, the gospel wrecks injustice. The gospel wrecks behavior that is against the cause of Christ and we humble ourselves and we say, Lord God, this is now the location of you. You're not in heaven, you're in my heart and I'm here to bring about your kingdom. What is it for me to do today? What do you want me to do today to bring your kingdom here? Because I am a temple that has the Holy Ghost indwelling me and I'm gonna let you have your way today. It's... It's so simple. We have churches praying for the Holy Spirit to baptize a person, and Paul said, theologically, everybody is what? In the Holy Ghost. It's a location. It's not an experience. It is the place. It is the position. We have to get this first. The experience will come later. I have in my life experienced moments where the Holy Ghost has just overtaken me crying and, and, you know, the emotions go nuts. Some of you uh, would describe it in speaking in tongues, or, and we're, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about that. 
But in that experience, what we have to lose, what, what we have to forsake is the idea that that moving has something to do with our salvation and our position in the Holy Ghost. Paul is saying, look, the location is the Holy Spirit. Follow me here. This is like so crazy. This is like so like anti-culture, right? This unifying work, if the Holy Spirit saves people from every walk of life, this fixes the problems that we're having in America today. Do you see that? We shouldn't leave out of here preferring one over another because of this right here. Okay, let's keep walking through this. The Holy Spirit is the sight. He is the holding tank. You're baptized into one body. In this preposition here, as we parse this out, the baptizing of the Holy Spirit is where Jesus is putting you. It's the locale, the location. I am now in the body of Christ. How does Jesus unify every church? How does Jesus unify every person on this, on this planet through the gospel? You ready? By faith alone. This is how it connects. Listen to this text. I love this. Can you tell I'm a little excited about this? This is so good. Now think about this not through the lens of the gospel track that you grew up reading off of to win somebody to Jesus, right? And I, and I'm, I don't mean that in a like derogatory way, but I think we get fixated on certain points in the gospel, like everyone is a sinner. Jesus died to pay for your sins. And that's okay to explain it and, and the beginning stages of it, but we should commit ourselves to what? The whole picture, the whole worldview of what is happening. How many want a clearer view of what salvation means? Anybody or just me? Does anybody want a clearer view of that? Well, I prayed a prayer and I'm in. I'm in. Don't tell me I'm not. I'm shocked at how, many, that that, how long that lasts. We have multitudes of young people leaving the church because it's just, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense to them. Life gets hard, and they need substance to say, I get it. But we just say, uh, no, that's not important. You pray to prayer, you're in. There's more to it than that. We gotta pull back the curtain a little bit and be comfortable with, with talking about faith. We got, and maybe if we did, maybe if we did pull the curtain back a little bit and you were a little bit more transparent about your faith and what that means, maybe more people would come to Jesus. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's good. So using this illustration, the Holy Spirit is the cup and we are, the coffee is located in the cup. We are the coffee, the Holy Spirit is the mug. Do you understand the location? Ah, oh, that got me one more sip of it. All right, here we go. By faith alone, and, and this is where, li- listen, how many people know people get sideways through this thing of like works? I have to work my way to get to heaven. I have to do good things in order to earn favor. How many know that that's a thing? Okay, that's a thing, just in case you're wondering, it's a thing. And, and people are thinking in that way. So if we can introduce people to what the Bible says and actually what a relationship with Jesus looks like in the Holy Spirit, maybe more people would be like, I want in that. If more people understood it wasn't what they brought to the table, 
but it was a way prepared for them. It was a way that ushers them in automatically through this thing called faith, and that they can be radically transformed, not because of what they bring to the table, but, but because of what he did for them. It's like a totally different thing. You church people, you're all, what's the first thing you hear people say? You're all hypocritical. Boy, if I had a dollar, right? For every time I heard it, my pocket would be thick, padded out. You're so hypocritical. Okay, we'll take it. Sometimes it's the truth, right? Sometimes we do put on a front. But what if there was no room for those misconceptions and they came to us and they were going, what's different about you? Why do you not worry about the things that I worry about? Why are you happy through moments that I'm not happy through? Because I'm in a different place than you're in. I'm in the Holy Ghost and he is in me and this location is safe no matter what happens around me. How do we achieve that? By faith alone. Listen to this verse. In the line of thinking that we're doing right here. By faith alone. Chapter three of Romans, verse 20. Listen to this. For no one will be justified. What does that mean? That means declared righteous. No one will be justified or declared sinless in the sight by the works of the law because the knowledge of sin comes through the law. The Ten Commandments is there as a list to show us that we can't keep the Ten Commandments. That's what Paul is saying. So every person that says, this list of things you do, you do this and you get saved, is wrong. Why? Because the list of things, if we're honest, is there to show us that we can't keep the list because we're not perfect. That's why it's there. We have the Bible as the standard that leads us to the place of salvation. Not to show us what we have to do, per se, working. It shows us that we can't do it. That's what Paul is saying. Verse 21. But now, watch this. Apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, attested by the law and the prophets. So the very thing that Paul is saying, it shows us that we're not righteous, it reveals that Jesus was righteous. The Bible shows us what we can't do, but it shows us what he could do. When Jesus lived, he didn't sin. He who had no sin became sin for us. This is what the law does. Law versus grace, right? The righteousness of God is through. Look at verse 22. This is it. We all quote Romans 3.23, but we miss 3.22. Look at 3.22. The righteousness of God is through faith. What is faith? It is loyalty. It is declaring your belief and your trust and your loyalty in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, that's what it is, to all who believe since there is no what? Distinction. There's no Jew, there's no Greek, there's no free, there's no slave. Paul is saying there is no distinction in the body of Christ. There is no one good person and one bad person. There is one person. His name is Jesus Christ. His righteousness has been revealed to the entire world, and whoever declares their loyalty to him receives his righteousness, receives justification. It is a legal term. It means to be declared righteous. 
That's it. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I get it. We've all fallen short because the law tells us we've fallen short, but the law also tells us that he did not fall short. And if we declare our loyalty to Jesus, we are what? We're saved. Thank God my back is feeling better. I can floss. Mm. Look at verse 25, 24. They are justified, there's that term again, legal term, freely by grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Oh my I could preach on that verse for an hour, and I just might right now. No, I'm kidding. They are justified. They are declared righteous freely, freely by his grace. What's grace? She's right here. Come talk to her. Have a conversation. What is grace? Grace is unmerited or not worked for favor. It's what we hate in this world. It's the guy... That's why communism doesn't work. It it doesn't work in government, but it works in the church. Justified freely. No one earns this peace because we're all sinners and we've all fallen short. This is plain. This is the gospel. There's no distinction. Some of y'all still think you're better than other people. You have not received fully the message of the gospel. Well, I'm just, I'm here to tell you that I'm different. I mean, you think you got your own theme music or something that plays when you walk into a room. Just check me out. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all just God's gift to everything. How does it feel to not be as gifted as me? <laughs> Paul said there's no distinction. Okay, can I hit the pause button for a second? We're watching the Netflix show. Hit the pause. We'll come back when it says continue watching, okay? <laughs> anyway, I thought it was funny. <laughs> Remember when it asked, are you still watching? Anyway, we won't be long on this. Some of you guys, this is the thing, guys and gals. You think in your mind, people can't just do whatever they want. People can't just act however they want. People just can't be horrible people and still expect to go to heaven, right? We hear horrible stories, like the horrible thing that happened right here in Essex with the two children in the trunk of the car. Gut-wrenching awful. Like the the horrible things that happen on this planet. It is sin sick. Our planet is sin sick. But what what we do, and the devil's so good at this, is he gets us focused on how horrible things are and then we miss what happens in our own heart. We miss the very own sins, the very own things that we know are bad and that shouldn't be there. This isn't something that is scalable. This is The word sin, I think it's hemartia, it just means to miss the mark. Some people miss the mark like completely. They're not even near the target. But if you sin one time, guess what? You're a what? A sinner. You're the reason why he died. You're the reason why he came. To save you. You're not better than anybody else. You're not. Yeah, I am. Scalable. That's not how the gospel works. When we level that playing field and we embrace the righteousness of God that he gave to us through the Holy Spirit, here's the, and this is going to be over several weeks that we talk about this, then you can live out the righteousness of God 
not your good works, which are laced, which are laced with self-righteous exaltation, which are laced with why you're doing your motives, those things. It doesn't work. But when we fully humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, he will lift us up. If we approach the gospel as we add nothing to it, and everything comes from him, then you can say, oh my goodness gracious, I did not deserve that. I I didn't understand that. He did everything for me. It's the least I can do to what? Live for him. It's the, the least I can do is to just, the rest of my life, the rest of my days, just give it to you because you've bought it all. You've done everything for me, so if if you want to use me as a vessel, as a conduit for your righteousness, I know it ain't my righteousness that got me here. I know it's not my goodness. Bring your kingdom through me, your kingdom, your righteousness, and then we submit to him. And that's that's, that's where that moment where someone who says, well, I prayed this prayer, I'm good, Jesus is gonna save me, but they live however they want to live, Does that look like that behavior? Does it look like that they really got that thing of salvation? Does it look like gratitude, yes or no? No. But it's also wrong to say that, well, I'm just a good person, you know? The church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for people like me. You know, they need my tithe, don't you know? The pastor wouldn't be eaten if I didn't put my money in the plate, which is true. (laughs) but the point is is you have to separate yourself well no I don't because it makes me feel good (laughs) because I'm the best version of me you have to see how society is elevating pretty people that do good things into this place where that self-righteous behavior makes you your own God moving on okay all right we're doing well How does this happen? How does, are we learning anything about the Holy Spirit today? Okay. The location. Many are looking for an experience of the Holy Spirit to baptize them. And what Paul is saying, there is no distinction. The Holy Spirit is the place that Jesus puts you in by what? Faith. Here's what I'm seeing. When you declare your loyalty, watch this, to Jesus Christ, He sends somebody to put you in a new location, a new address. This verse that I'm about to read you is, for me, the hinge pin for all of it. You ready? Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. I think it's actually verse 12 that that I'm starting. Chapter 1, this is it. this, This to me is like, this sums it all up. And this is the same author. This is Paul. You ready? Ephesians chapter 1, here's what he says in verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in who? Christ. Sorry. That we should be to the praise of his glory. For all the people who figured it out how to live a good life. For all the people who figured it out how to be a good person. Is that what it says? No, this is not about who. It's not about us. Who's this about? 
Who's it about? Jesus. Almost. Who's it about? Jesus. Tell your neighbor, it's about who? Jesus. Come on, if you can't say his name in the church, you won't say his name anywhere. It's about who? Jesus. Yes. Did you hear that online? They believe it. It's about Jesus. Look at verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 12. That we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Jesus. In, in. You see, see that language? In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of what? Truth. You heard it. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay? You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your what? Salvation. This is it. This is the secret sauce. Paul's putting the jelly on the bottom shelf. You ready? Let's make a, a peanut butter jelly sandwich. The salvation, the word of truth, all of this. In whom, in whom also, after that ye what? Believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of what? Promise. That's it. We got it. There it is. After you believed, after you declared your loyalty to Jesus, the Son of God. This shows the Trinitarian nature of our God, the community of our God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, the Holy Spirit is ready. He's on site. He's got the location. He's got the locale. He's gonna put you at the right address. He's gonna move you into a new place. He's gonna make your broken down house into a beautiful temple. But he's waiting on you to declare your loyalty to who? Jesus. Ooh, watch this. Which is the earnest? What is the earnest? Ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, which is the earnest? That's a financial statement. We could say it this way in our culture. Which is the down payment? The earnest money of our inheritance. Another what? Financial term. Do you see it? The Holy Spirit of promise is the down payment of your full inheritance. We are now, when we, oh my goodness, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we become a son. We become a daughter. You, we say this so cliche, I'm a part of the family of God. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Are you really happy about it? Yeah. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood. Okay. We've, <laughs> we have missed it. If we really understood what the heck we were saying, we would be like, oh my gosh. See, some of you guys need some kind of literal thing. You want Ray Lewis to adopt you and give you his inheritance. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> I'd put a binky in. and Whatever you want, Ray Ray, I'm here. Can I be your son or daughter? Why? Because we know if we're a son or a daughter, we're going to get some what? An inheritance. I got an inheritance. My daddy is Ray Lewis. Let's go. And, and honestly, we are so in this world, that's what we care about. What we leave behind to our children 
So we're so focused on killing ourselves to leave an inheritance that we miss the real inheritance. Jesus said the Holy Spirit of God is the down payment for your new spiritual location. That's just the tip of the iceberg of the inheritance. Look at it right there. If I can find it. Under the prey, oh, there it is. Which is the earnest of our inheritance, the down payment of our inheritance. Watch this. Until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Listen, church, the location, my words here, the location of our salvation is in the Holy Spirit. And that's a place that we didn't strive to get to, but rather we're given a place of dwelling due to the loving nature of our God and the surrender of our hearts to his will. That's the truth. Get this picture of location and address in your mind. If you're gonna buy a house today, you need a down what? A down payment. Well, what about the programs where you don't need a down payment? That's beside the point, okay? Follow along with my illustration here. You need, it's right here, you need to show financial solvency that you have what it takes to purchase that thing in the what? In the long run. So you put some money down and that secures the deal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Then they put your name on the what? On the deed. And prayerfully you'll pay it off and it will be yours. Except have to pay taxes on it for the rest of your life, property tax. How does that make any sense? Anyway. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Stay with me. Jesus said this. Look, my kingdom is coming. I'm going to fully renovate this planet. And when I say I'm going to renovate it, I'm talking about you and you. I'm going to make you perfect. I'm going to give you a new glorified body. And I will indwell your temple. But until I come back, until Jesus comes back and establishes his complete full kingdom on this planet, I've put a down payment. I've begun the process. I've begun the renovations. I can move in. Your body is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It's the down payment. It's the earnest money. The Holy Spirit is on location. And he begins to renovate. It's not fully done until Jesus comes back when we get our glorified body. But let me tell you, it's in the process. It's coming. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. You were bought with a price. The Holy Spirit, the location of this new body. We are all connected. If you have declared your loyalty to Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost is that earnest. He is the apartment complex. I'm using every analogy that I can to get you to see that we are connected because of Jesus, not because of what you did, but because of what he did. Not because of the color of your skin, but the color of his skin. And he is a manifestation of all. I love the study of the Holy Spirit. He's on sight. Okay, I got five minutes. You ready? Jeez. No, I mean it, five minutes. We'll shut it down. Here's the next step. Paul changes the image from the previous chapter a bit. Watch this. 
by having one of the sensory organs, eyes, speak to one of the other external limbs, hand, and replaces the ear with the head that speaks to the feet. Most commentators suggest that the new pairings reflect the hierarchical attitudes of some of the Corinthians. The head, the eye, are the obvious metaphors for the supposed higher status of the members who themselves were the, the feet and the hands, so on and so forth. Verse number 18, look at our text right here, and this is, we're, we're finishing with this. Read verse 18 with me to verse 26. But as it is, reading this in the context of everything that we've just talked about with the Holy Ghost, we've all been baptized into this location, date of case. We've been baptized into the body. The Holy Spirit is that agent, is that location. What allows us to be baptized on site? By grace through what? Faith. This is a work of our faith. By grace alone through faith alone. Now that we're on site, Look at verse 18. As it is written, God has arranged each one of the parts of the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, what would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one what? One body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts, uh, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, given greater honor to the less honorable. You see the upside-down nature of the gospel. He's given greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for who? Each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. As we move into this next phase of talking about the Holy Spirit and how the gifts play out in the body, I had to, I had to show you today that we're on site, we're in the body, in this location of the Spirit of God, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. Not because of what we've done, but because of what what? He's done. Now, if we see our salvation as something of grace through faith, this builds, then we will see our position in the body located in the Holy Spirit as a place for everyone. Paul is still addressing the equality and division within this church. Verse 27 through 31, now you are the body of Christ. This is the last part of our text. You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. Watch this. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. We're going to get into all this. Next, miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? What's the answer to that? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? That'd be kind of cool. Do all speak in tongues? No. What's the implied reference there? What's the implied? No. Where, where does that fit? Where, where does that fit just in this moment where we say everybody needs this? Everybody needs that. That's the opposite of what Paul is saying. Do you see that? Do all interpret? But desire the what? Greater gifts. 
and I will show you an even better way. And he's gonna show us an even better way. First Corinthians chapter 13 comes on the heels of this, and that's what we're gonna talk about next week. What's the better way? Lead with, it's love. Lead with love. Listen, as we close, as equal members of the body, then we all need to participate. I'm leaving you with this. If everything I said today is true, if we all are equal members of the body, then we all need to what? Participate. Stay with me. We're, we're shutting it down. We're good. We're great on time, actually. Listen. We all need to participate. I liked the other part where you were talking about how we're all, like, equal and, you know, no one is better than the other. This is really good, Pastor. Well, that also means that everybody needs to what? Because no one is better than what? That's where this begins to play out. There's a job for what? Everybody. You know where that doesn't fit? The culture of church in this day and age. We have to create this perfect experience. I mean, what's next? We're gonna have like a petting zoo at church just to get people to come? I mean, that's a good idea, isn't it, right there? You've got little lambs and giraffes and you just come and our church is the best church. Look at our Google page. I mean, I'm, I'm being facetious and we engage in this a little bit because it's necessary to build a church in 2021. We have a coffee bar. Paul would be like, yeah, that stuff's pretty good. I just gauge everything by Paul. I think Paul would like coffee, so we have coffee. <laughs> I'm teasing, but you understand what I'm saying. Like, at what point is this, we're going to give everyone $1,000 a month to come be a part of the church. Like, that's, we need stimulus plans in the church like the government does. This is what we need to do. And we're going to fill the church house. Yes. Like, exactly. <laughs> yes. Now someone gets me. <laughs> I, I, I am being silly, but it's, the point is this, like, we're not here for us, but we are here for us. But you give that responsibility to someone else. In this body, what's great about it, if it's operating correctly, you're gonna get what you need by giving away what you have. Son, I got a cramp, I opened my mouth so wide. <laughs> I'm a mess today. I know I need another. Y'all don't know what I really put in my cup. You really don't. <laughs> Jeez. I could say that again. You get what you need by giving what you have away. That's what Paul's getting to. But so many people in a church, even our size, only 20 to 30% are giving things away. That means we have 70% of the church that's just absorbing and not giving back, which is why we, we become depleted, which is why churches are closing and not what? Opening. If the Holy Spirit of God is on location, he is just ushering out gifts because we know why we're here and what we're here to do. People are being healed. People are speaking in tongues. Oh my gosh, what does that mean? I don't even know yet. Crazy things are happening but something's happening because we're yielding to him because this is his location. Do you see what I mean? And then we begin to receive. We begin to receive. We have elevated some gifts over, depending on our denomination, 
Some gifts get more attention than others. We need them all. Hopefully we can come out of this study at Bethlehem with them all. Some of y'all will be like, I'm out, yo. Get out now because it's going to be crazy. Individual gifts should be a part of the collective, an eye for the feet. Heaven paid a hefty price for the down payment on your temple. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to take up residence? Were you baptized into the Holy Spirit? Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.